And this is what I want you to do this morning before we get down to the word. This is for you, this is for me. I want us to close our eyes just for a second and sit, just for a second or two in silence. I want you in your own mind, in your own heart, say, Lord, I'm here for you to speak to me. And if you speak to me, never mind the words of a man or what I have to say, it's what the Lord will say. Lord, you speak to me and I will hear your word and I'll be a doer of your word. Let's just, in a couple of seconds, just yield our hearts and our minds to the Lord. speak to our hearts this morning and help us to apply the word to our lives Father help us to walk before you be conscious of your word that's abiding within us to glorify your son the Lord Jesus Christ in his name we ask it Amen turn with me to Romans chapter 12 We're going to do another part of the mind of God to the mind of man, but this time a subtitle called Walking Out the Word. Walking Out the Word. In other words, applying the Word to our lives, believing the Word in our hearts, walking out the Word as we follow Christ. If you turn to Romans 12, and as you turn there, I just want to turn... First Corinthians chapter two and read one verse to you. Verse sixteen, we have read it every week in First Corinthians two. You stay at Romans twelve. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. The apostle tells us, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The apostle is telling us here, first of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 16, he's saying, there's the mind of the Lord that none of us know, save the Lord, reveal himself to us. And the mind of the Lord comes to the mind of man through the preaching of his word, through his spirit. But we have the mind of Christ. In other words, the believer, the born-again, spirit-filled, blood-washed believer has the mind of Christ. If you don't have or striving to have, now we're not perfected as Christ is, but if we don't have the Word of God, the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly, as the apostle tells us, then we'll never know what the mind of Christ is. 
And if we don't know what the mind of Christ is, then we'll never know what the mind of God is. We'll never know what his mind is, what his will is for our lives. When we're going through different circumstances and situations, how to overcome them. So this morning, I want to look at this Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, just for a few moments. Then I'm going to give you a load of verses here and there throughout Scripture. I know it seems almost like a, a, a pick a verse here and a pick a verse there, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to encourage you in something this morning. But reading the Word, the Lord will continually speak as you continually read. But it's applying the Word in our own lives. Applying the Word what God sees us like and how God looks at us when we're in Christ. We want to look at all these things, but look what Paul says. He says in Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you. You can't get any stronger than that. He's not saying I'm asking you. I'm beseeching you. It's in other words, I beg you to listen. You know you want to grab someone and give them a good shake and tell them the gospel. And you expect them to take the word of God on board. You expect them when you tell them about your salvation to be able to understand it. And you want to give them a shake for they seem so dead. And you say, I beseech you, I beg you, will you not accept Christ as your savior? Because they aren't allowing the word to get into their minds. Shutters come down and walls build up. And and it's a matter of, no, I need to get out of here or I need to to not listen to this, or I need to protect myself, or whatever it may be. Notice, he said, I beseech you, therefore. In other words, I'm begging you to listen. So, by the mercies of God that you present your body. Notice, he, you present your body. We have so many so, uh, so often tell us that uh, emotion and feeling and, and and your body, or when I say carnal things, I mean your flesh has nothing to do with the things of God. Listen, God dwells in a body when he dwells in you. God lives and abides in a body when he lives and abides in you by his spirit. So of course it has to do. God, does, God takes up the feeling and God takes up the emotion and God takes up the body to use it. And Paul says, I beseech you that your body should be a living sacrifice. Notice, you present your body a living sacrifice, coming before God and saying, Lord, what I have is yours. Use me. Use my hands. Use my feet. Use my mouth. Use me for your glory so you're a a living sacrifice. Notice, holy. You're set apart, acceptable unto God. Notice, which is your reasonable service? In other words, God does not expect so much of you, you can't do it. God says, it's only reasonable. What is reasonable to you and I? A Sunday morning church service. Or a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or just a Sunday night. Or what is reasonable to you and I to say a wee prayer in the morning and that keeps us all right with God? Is that reasonable? Or is it reasonable because God has saved you from your sin and cleansed you from all unrighteousness and he's bought you with a great price? In fact, he gave his own heart. He gave his own will. He gave his own mind in the word of God as a person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave heaven's best. He gave all, as it were, that he had from his own being coming forth to die for you. So what is reasonable for you and I to serve him with? With an hour? With a a thought? With a, a little reading? What is reasonable 
to you? Is it reasonable that we don't speak to God for a week? We don't worship him for who he is. Is it reasonable? But, but Paul tells us that we are to present our bodies and it's to be a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In fact, if you look it up in the Greek New Testament, the, 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 the reasonable service there gives the idea of your own spiritual acts of worship, plural. Every time you present yourself Every time you're serving him, every time you're saying, this isn't about me. You know what the problem is? Church becomes man-centered now. Worship has become about man-centered. Prayer has become man-centered. Everything has become man-centered. Programs become about man-centered. It becomes about man-centric that we have to do it this way to satisfy us. If we don't have a good night or if God has convicted us and we haven't enjoyed the word the way we thought we would enjoy it, or if God hasn't tickled our ears through that preacher as we would think it, then what we find is that that we are man-centric rather than Christ-centric. We sang there, Jesus be the center. And when Christ is the center of your heart, when Christ is really, truly the center of your life, there's nothing too great for you to do for him. And your reasonable service becomes this. Your reasonable service becomes a sacrificial life with sacrificial acts of worship, with sacrificial giving, giving of time. Yes, giving of finances, but giving of time, giving your heart to him, that your heart is consumed, consumed with him, that you can think at times nothing else but Jesus, Jesus only. That he is the beat of your heart, that he's the blink of your eye, that he's the breath of your lungs, that in him you live and move and have your being. And it's not enough that you've been through all day and you haven't brought him into a conversation or you haven't brought him around the dinner table or you haven't brought him into the evening and you haven't brought him into anything all day and you wonder, where is Christ in my heart? To have a a living relationship with him where you're speaking to him going to work in the car. Where you're speaking to someone, you say, you know what, let's ask the Lord. Let's talk to him. And when we come to pray, I would say to you, you're finding trouble of breakthrough and it's hard to do. Listen, take a week but I have to pray for this one and I have to pray for that one. I have to pray for this thing and I have to pray for that thing. And if I don't, then I, 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 I'm not praying right. Listen, brothers and sisters, at times I go through periods where I have so much to pray for, I don't even ask the Lord for any of it. I go into his presence and I just stand and worship. I don't tell him what I need and I don't even ask him for anyone or anything. I just tell him what I know. Lord, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. You are so wonderful. You are my heart's desire. You're all I ever want and all I ever need. I just want to love you more and more, for you alone are worthy, and you deserve the glory. Lord, when man is nothing, you are everything. Lord, 
I just want to know you more. I want to be in your presence. I can't get enough of you because I just yearn for you. And as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And it's because you're so beautiful and majestic and mighty. And Lord, all things are in your power and control. You are sovereign. You are Lord and God over all things, King of kings and Lord of lords. And who is there like unto thee? There's no close second and there's none beside thee. For you alone are God, and we thank you, Lord. I praise you for who you are, not what you give me, but for who you are, for your great heart of love, for the mercy you've bestowed upon me, your long-suffering, Lord. Oh, Lord, for who I am, yet who you are. You're so great to me, marvelous and kind and wonderful. I ask for no one and nothing else, but just for more of you. Let me fellowship with you, Lord. Let me walk with you. Speak to my ear that I may hear the very voice of God. Even as the hymn writer says, he speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing. And hear that voice in the midst of a dying world, in the center of all that is happening, just to sit and say, Lord, I ask you for nothing because you know it all. I just want to tell you, Lord Jesus, I love you. I love you because you first loved me. Try it. Don't ask him for one thing. Not one thing. Try it for a while, a period, a day, a prayer, for something for a week. And see your relationship grow with him. Spiritual acts of worship. Present yourself before him. So when we come to verse 2, this is important for the mind of God to the mind of man walking out the word. Paul says, and be not conformed to this word. Be not conformed to this word. The idea of being Conformed, the word conformed here, and it can vary. So, but in this instance, what Paul is saying is your outward circumstances, the outward drawing, the outward appearances, the things that are around you and surround you, that are going on with you, the troubles, the heartache, the hurt, whatever it may be, the fear, the worry, the stress, the anxieties, no matter what it is, Paul is saying, do not be conformed to that. And the idea speaks of something from the outside changing the inward parts. Something from the outside changing the inner man and the inner woman. And Paul is telling us, don't allow your outward circumstances to change your inward heart. The heart that is of faith in Christ. Faith and hope in his word. What God has given you, what God has said to you, what God has promised you, what God's mind is for you according to his word. He says, don't let the outward circumstances change your inward heart. 
That's why we present our bodies as spiritual acts of worship, a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. That he wants us to come before him in spite of what you're going through. And in spite of what has come against you. And in spite of the loved ones that are sick. And it's hard because they're on your mind and it's difficult. In spite of what your boss has been saying, in spite of what your hopes, your wills, your dreams and your plans are, in spite of what the trouble is, <clears throat> all the things that are surrounding you, in spite of the, 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 the things that men have said or women have said or, the, or whatever has come to hurt you or depress you or put you down or to worry you, he says, don't let the outward circumstances, even the things that are happening in our nation, the things that are happening in our cities, the things that are happening around the world, he says, don't let the outward circumstances conform your heart to be like them. Don't let the the desires of the world, the lusts of the world, don't let the things of the world, don't let it conform you to be like it. Don't bring the Word of God and change the Word of God, as it were, to man's standard. Don't say evil is good and good is evil. Just because it's politically correct, don't say it, he says. Don't say that Christ isn't the exclusively only way to the Father, that only through Him can we find salvation. Don't allow that to be changed, he says. Don't let the world influence you to change that. Keep that, he says, for that is the unchanging, inerrant Word of God. He says, don't let those who are saying that that God is going to love everyone and send everyone to heaven because we're all just all human beings and children of God when the Bible says that God has his people and God has his children and those that are his, he knows. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me for Christ has his own sheep. He says, and you can't allow that to die in your heart. You can't change it for outward circumstances. And do you know what the church in general in many situations are doing? They're bringing the world and the lusts of the world and the dress of the world and the things of the world and the wants of the world and the whims of the world and they're bringing them into the church and it starts in the heart and it starts in the family and it ends up in the church house. Paul says, don't let outward circumstances conform you to what they are. The mind of God for you, brother and sister, this morning, the mind of God for you is greater than that. It's bigger than that. It's more than that. God is so much for you. And be not conformed to this world, this world system of things, in other words, the things that are going on. Notice, but be ye transformed be ye transformed. I'll say it again. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word there for transformed gives the idea of that which is in you. That which is in you. For example, Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, as we call it, where he, is, he, he takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain, and he's transfigured before them, and his face glistening, uh, is brighter than the sun, and his clothes are glistening uh, uh, white and bright, and, and he sees Moses and Elijah with him. That's the inside deity of Christ bursting through his humanity. The vision that they saw, and Paul is saying here, the very transformation is who is in you? The Holy Ghost is in you. Who is in you? 
the Holy Spirit is in you. What is in you? The Word of God is in you. And he's saying, that's what matters in your life. Be transformed by it, not by what the world has to offer. The amount of Christians, the amount of Christians and the amount of of ministers of the gospel, the amount of Christians who have come and talked to me or I've spoken to them in places, the amount of them who have said, we uh, well, we go to the pub, or we our churches go to the nightclub after church on a Sunday. Some of us only take one or two drinks so that we can win the lost. And I say, you can't win the lost by being like the lost. You can't win the lost by being who they are. The word says, be ye holy, separate, set apart for God's use. It says, be ye holy. You want to win the lost at a nightclub? Stand outside it before they go. And tell them their need of Christ. The amount of ministers that I hear now who are having meetings in the local pub, sitting around a beer. The church has allowed the outward circumstances to change the inward spirit of the church. But Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Read the word of God, and it's the mind of God to the mind of man. The renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable, notice, and perfect will of God. So here we have the mind of God and his word to the mind of man. Notice what Paul says. There's a, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Notice, acceptable. Verse 2, he says, if you're transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will. Do you know why a lot of people, when they come to pray and they're saying, I, 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 I get nowhere? Do you know why we get nowhere sometimes? Because we're full of everything else. Do you know why so many Christians get nowhere, professing Christians get nowhere in their spiritual walk? Because they're full of the world. See what the world does, you do the opposite. You do the opposite. When we renew our minds according to the word, the word is in us. The word is in us. Changes our minds. And what the word of God says, our spirit then takes it and is taught by it. And we live it out. When we walk out that word, we are in God's perfect will. Thank God for his grace, for there's many times we're in what's known as the permissive will of God. But I have something to tell you. Really, when you think about it, there's no such thing. You're either in the will or out of it. <laughs> the permissive will is God putting up with you till he brings you back into line. It's a word of man's imagination, I'm afraid. Now, notice this. We want to look at the being transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning. I'm going to bring you some scriptures and I'll just quote a few and throw a few things out there. And then 
you can allow the Holy Spirit, as you prayed this morning, speak to my mind. You can jot them down if you want to look them up as we're speaking among them. We're not going to stay long in each one. We're just going to rattle through some of them. And it's to give you an idea of what I mean. For example, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Israel's about to go into the promised land and it's right ahead of them. Fear. Fear of the unknowing, knowing. Fear of the enemy in Canaan land. Fear of, are you with me, or are you not? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever think like that? Now, here's the word of the Lord to you this morning then. Not because I'm here and I'm preaching it, but because it is the word of the Lord. Have not I commanded thee? Now, the Lord is saying, some Christians like to be buttered up, but the Lord comes at times and says, it's time you start to obey me. Come on, get up and go. Shake yourself. Notice. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. He says, I'm with you no matter where you are. I'm with you no matter where you're going. Now, I want you, he says, and I command you, start being strong. Start being of a good courage. Stop being afraid. And don't be dismayed, for I'm with you. Not because you're great. Not because you're so mighty. Not because you're so big. But because of who I am. See, we forget who he is. We forget in our fear of who our God is. We forget when the enemy's about, when we get fearful, who he is, or when the news comes, or when the circumstances come, and we allow it to conform us to what it is, the fear of the world, the lust of the world, and the flesh. And he says, don't be afraid and be strong. I want you to stand up in the year 2015, church. I want you to stand up and be counted. I want you to go and take ground and we're holding our own. Holding our own is never enough. I remember when I was a young Christian and, and, and my pastor at the time used to say, and I heard him on a regular basis saying, I'm holding my own. And some brother says, I'm holding my own. And some church says, we're holding our own. He says, we're not meant to hold our own. We're meant to advance and occupy till he comes. We're meant to be striving for Christ and going on in God and witnessing, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Christian life and the Christian walk isn't about holding the fort. I know we sing that, but it's not about holding the fort. It's about advancing in Jesus' name. It's about taking ground for Christ. It's about winning the lost. It's about having faith in our hearts and believing God, our God who is bigger than the devil outside, our God who's bigger than the enemy that comes against us, our God who's bigger than the sickness that we fear, our God who's bigger than death itself, and saying, well, Lord, you said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I am with thee always, even to the end of the age. Here he says, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thy goest. Notice Psalm 27 and verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Notice the difference now. David here is singing, who's had many an upturn, and many a downturn, and many a time of waning, and many a time of fear. And David says this. He says at this point, he realizes who his God is. 
You know those times whenever you're, everything comes against you and suddenly you realize just who your God is and you go, wow, this is mighty. David says, the Lord, he points the praise to him. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? There is the mindset. There's the renewing of your mind. Fear will paralyze you. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear, F-E-A-R, is false evidence appearing real. And it's so real to you, it overcomes what should be filling your heart, which is the Word of God, which is the transformation of yourself, the inward being according to the Word of God, in order to advance in the world that's outside. The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Listen to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 8. Maybe you're going to go and you're at a job interview, or you're going to go to a doctor's appointment, you have to go to the hospital, and you know, you're going to go and you don't know what you're going to hear, or whatever it may be. You have to go and see someone who intimidates you, you have to go somewhere to, to try and get some work for your place of work, and, and you're a bit nervous in it. Here's the word of the Lord for us all, for no matter what we face at whatever time. Jeremiah 1 and verse 8, the Lord says, Be not afraid of their faces. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. So you need to bring your mind into this. He says, don't be afraid. Notice all these verses. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. 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 How many times does God tell us, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Right throughout the scripture. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Sometimes it's dark, especially now coming into autumn, winter. I'd go over the, the, it's the wee ring over here, not the field, the ring here, and it's all heavily treed around the top area. There's no lights, and as I'd walk around it, it's very dark, and it's overshadowed with all the trees, and there's nobody really about at that time of night. And I remember, maybe I think it was last year, I had uh, the girls with me. And while there was a bit of light round coming around the front, they were fine, they were talking away. And once I cut up and round, and they're sort of lagging behind a bit as kids do, and I'm walking with the dog, and, and he's going around with me. And next thing I hear the wee feet, going, Daddy, 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 don't leave it. Hold on, it's getting too dark. And they were holding on to my coattails. They were up my back like a roller blind, and they were just holding on to me the whole way. I'm going, it's, it's the same as what it is in the daylight, you know. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. I will just wait to get through these trees. This is a wee bit dark here for us, Dad. We don't like it here, and they're just holding on to me. I says, but I'm, I'm here. I'm with you. Even if you're there and I'm standing here, I'm still with you. You, know, you don't need to hang off me and stand on my feet. But they didn't until they, we got out the other side of the, where it cleared a bit and it was a, bit, a little bit brighter. And many times I could have told them, you know, I'm with you. I'm your father. I protect you. I love you. No matter how dark it is, nor how bright it is, day or night, I'm with you. But no matter how many times I would tell them, they still couldn't let go and say, okay. Even if it was 10 feet away, 20 feet away, still there. 
God who never leaves us nor forsakes us and resides and abides and lives in all of us who are saved. Everywhere you go, the darkest of your night, the covering of the heaviest shrub and tree, as it were, he's with you. He's with you. Notice what it says here. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Look at Isaiah 40 and verse 10. Here's another one. Fear thou not. I just love this because this is surely going to tell us, no matter our circumstance or situation this morning, this is bound to speak to our hearts where we say, Lord, you keep telling us not to be afraid. You keep telling us to trust in you. You keep telling us you're with us all the time. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. The Lord says, I've got you. I've got you. Do you see even when we pass through the valley of the shadow of death? We'll fear no evil, for he is with us. His rod and his staff will comfort us. He says, I've got you. I've got you. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13 says, Paul says, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. I don't know if many of you have ever heard of an old commentator called Adam Clark. Adam Clark is world famous for his commentary. And he was an old Methodist minister from Port Rush, Port Stewart area. In fact, if, if those of you go up to Port Stewart and you walk through the town, you know when you're sort of walking through and you're coming back on yourself and the road goes into a V-shape and there's an old church right in the middle there and there's like a, a monument there. Well, that's a, that was Adam Clark's church and he had another one in Port Stewart as well. And there's a monument, go into the grounds the next time, there's a monument there it's talking about the work that he done. Listen to Adam Clark, what he says on this verse. Let me read the verse again. Watch ye, stand ye fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. He terms it like this. He says, this is a military term. Watch ye means watch and continually be on your guard, lest you be surprised by your enemies. Too many sleeping Christians. He says, watch ye. Don't let the enemy overtake you. Lest you be surprised by your enemies. Stand fast in the faith means keep your ranks. Do not be disorderly. Be determined. Keep your ranks unbroken. Keep close together. Anything that's loose in your own personal life, anything where the enemy can get a foothold, any little chink in the armor where the arrow can fly in, he says, close it up, throw it out, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Anything in the church that's weakening, anyone in the church who's waning, he says, encourage them, get around them, be with them, pray for them, help them, visit them, call them, do what you need, but close ranks. Close ranks. You know, don't fight one with another, but close ranks, for therein is where the enemy comes in like a flood. When God's people start fighting one with, and one with another, backbiting one another, then the enemy uses it for him to destroy the church. Close ranks. Notice, keep close together. Quit you yourselves like men, or quit you like men, he says. When you are attacked, do not flinch. Maintain your ground. Resist, then press forward, strike home, keep compact and conquer. The enemy's attacking and everyone gets together and they all close ranks and they have their shields up 
And once that initial hail of the enemy arrow falls upon them and all the arrows bounce off the sheets, he says, now stay like that, walk together and you'll conquer. It's in unity he's speaking of. We can do this also in our own personal lives. Then be strong, he says. If one company or division be opposed by too great a force of the enemy, strengthen that division and maintain your position. Too many Christians would be like this. The enemy's attacking me and it's just, I, I just can't take it anymore. And I understand that because we all get attacked at times. Don't flinch. Do you know the enemy doesn't know what you're thinking? The devil doesn't know what you're thinking. He may put thoughts into your mind, but he doesn't know what you're thinking. Do you know whenever you start to to wane and to worry and to fret, he only sees the result of what his work is, what he's put in your mind. He's realizing that his word, his mind is overcoming the mind of God. He doesn't know what's in your heart. Devil doesn't understand your heart. God knows, but he doesn't. He doesn't know whenever you're struggling and you're putting on the brave face and you're saying, I'm praising God anyway. I'm going to be in the place anyway. I'm going to church and nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to go to a place of prayer. I'm going to go to Bible study. I'm going to be reading or I'm going to be fellowshipping with God's saints. I'm going to be worshiping the Lord. And even though you're feeling bad, do you know the first time he knows when you start going, oh, the devil's attacking me. Got them. It's working. I've got them. The guys to fight in the ring. And sometimes you've got such a, a punch, someone hit you a punch and you've seen stars and you've seen four fellas fighting you at that point and all these stars all over the place. And I felt, I'm going down here. But I wouldn't show it because the first time I showed it, he knew he had me. So instead, I just moved. And I moved, everything started coming around, and then I attacked. Then I moved in. It's the same here where the devil's got me and all, and you're laying down under it, and you're doing it. Listen, in your mind, renew it this morning and say this. Say this, Lord, you are mighty. You are with me. You are for me. You're not against me. Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Start getting it into your mind that your God loves you with an everlasting love, that there's nothing can come against you, that no weapon that is formed against you will prosper, that you will be able to say, Lord, I can do exceeding and abundantly above all things that I'll ask or think. Listen, not only met, not because of who I am, according to the power that worketh in me. It's the power of God, not of ourselves. And it's understanding who we are in Christ and renewing our mind, transforming our inward man and woman, not letting the outward influences conform us to be like that, but rather having the Christ of God changing the outward exterior. That's what we should be doing. Let me run quickly just for another verse or two. For thus saith the high and low, Isaiah 57 and 15. Isaiah 57 and 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Notice this. God says, look at me. 
Thus saith the high and lofty one which inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And we are down here and we are looking out there where we can't reach to heaven. And we say, Lord, what good is that to me? Is that where you're staying? Because if that's where you are, that's no good to me here. See the word lofty, by the way? Do you know what the Hebrew word is? NASA. NASA. You know where they get NASA for the space travel? That's the word. Just want to throw it in there. And whenever we say, Lord, you're so high, what good is that to me? Listen to what the word of the Lord says to you this morning. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to take this on board. Notice this. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In other words, the word there uh, of contrite means those who are crushed to powder, those who are broken into pieces, little small pieces. He says, I'm up here, but I'm with you also. I'm away up in the heavens, but that's who I am. But I dwell with you when your heart is crushed. And I'm with you when you're broken in mind. And I'm with you when your heart is torn. And I'm with you when you feel worried and wounded and weary and you can't go on. And I'm with you no matter where you go. And I'm the one who says, do not be afraid nor be troubled because I am the Lord your God. I'm the high and lofty one and I'm with you. I'm with you this morning. You're crushed. Your powder doesn't work. It gives the idea so small your heart's like powder. You're depressed and And you're anxious and he says, I am with you. The God, the same God who's in heaven is with you this morning. Is with you wherever, so wherever you go. Last one, a whole lot, but this is the last one. I think this is important. They're all important, but I think it's important I say this this morning. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we are directed in our minds and our hearts. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. 1 John 3 and 1. That we should be called the sons of God. See the word, behold what manner of love. It's a love that's a foreign love. That's what it means. A love that's not of this world. A love that's not off this planet. It's love that's not off the human being. That's what John's saying. And he's directing your mind. Brothers and sisters, that's just for one second. Direct your mind to this love. Why would God love me? Why would God want me? Why would God care for me? Why would God think of me? Why me? Don't ask why. Just believe it. Just receive it. Just walk in it that you're loved with an everlasting love. Why? We don't know why, but we're grateful that he did. Behold what manner of love that's outside of this world, that's outside of our understanding and our own thinking, that the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. In 1 John 4 and 10, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And in 1 John 4 and 19, we love him because he first loved us. Do you know God loved you before you were born? God knew you before you were born. God had you in his mind 
before you were born. God had chosen you in his electing love before you were born. Before you even were born from the natural birth canal. Before you were even growing up. Before you sinned and before you went wayward. Before you became doubtful. Before all of these things, the fears, the worries, the anxieties. God knew it all and he still loved you. He still loved you. Now here's something I want to ask you and you can ask yourself and answer yourself. If he loved you then and he's seen you in your sin, how much more do you feel loved? Because he loves you the same. But how much more do you feel loved? Because he's seen you in his son. He loves his son. And as he loves his son, so how much he loves you? How much more do you feel loved then? I just feel it hard to believe that God would love me. (laughs) Join the club. Because I'll tell you, if you love me, you love anybody. I was talking to the Allison yesterday. This fellow knew me from a lot of years ago. He found an old tape and I'd forgot about it. And he put it on online of me giving him a testimony in a, a house meeting. And I am younger looking, my hair's a bit darker looking. I'm growing grey around the sides now. And I'm not bespectacled and I think I'm a few more bars in the grate here in my teeth. And Allison says, this guy sent this to me online. And I says, look at that. Do you remember that? He says, I do. I can't work out the years. It must have been at least 15, maybe 18 years ago, 16 years ago. And the guy who's standing talking, he may look a bit younger, but he's rougher. And Alison says, you even sound more refined now. Must be the country we're not funny. You sound like typical Belfast, you know. <laughs> and even then, I was refined from what I used to be. And when I see myself now, I say, Lord, you're doing a work in me and you're still not finished. How could you love someone like that? How could you love someone the way I got on? How could you love me? Well, here's what David said. When I consider thy heavens and the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thy hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou shouldest visitest him? Why, Lord? David says, I don't even understand it. But brothers and sisters, take it in your mind. It's the mind of God to the mind of man and woman this morning. It's the mind of God to the mind of you this morning. Renew your thinking and start believing that God can do exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask or think, according to the power that worketh in you. God bless his word. That'll finish that. I've a load load more scriptures, but sure, that'll finish that series. I've done plenty on that.